Welcome to The First 10 Years, a career podcast focused on learning from our past to propel us into the future. I'm your host, Daniel Doolin. I'm a communications professional, career and finance writer, and a career changer. But most importantly, I'm fascinated by work and how it fits into the bigger picture of life. I love to ask questions and want to know everything there is to know about how to have a successful and fulfilling career. On the First 10 Years podcast, I'll reflect on my career journey thus far and invite other professionals and experts into the conversation so we can learn together how to turn the first 10 years of our career into a foundation for our ideal future. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the First 10 Years podcast. I hope you all are ready and recharged after Thanksgiving. I know I am still full of Thanksgiving leftovers and have been comfy cozy all week in my my sweats, um, but I am ready to to get back into it and to to start a new week. Uh, I'm so excited this week to be joined by another guest. I know last week I had a solo episode and I've been going back and forth between solo and guest episodes. So I'd love to hear your feedback. If you like the solo episodes, if you like the guests I'm having on, um, please, I'm open to all of your honest feedback. I'd love to know how this is going, if you're liking it. Um, and especially if you're enjoying the podcast, please let me know. Um, leaving a rating and review is just so helpful um, for me and for other people to find these conversations. So wherever you're listening, please let me know um, what you're thinking. But yeah, so last week I had a solo episode. I talked through all the different lessons that I had learned so far in the first 10 years of my career. And this week, I'm excited to be joined by a friend, a longtime um, internet acquaintance, if you will. We get into that a little bit more. But this week, I'm joined by Shauna Hawking. Shauna is the founder and CEO of Hawking Leadership, which specializes in leadership development and philanthropic strategy. Previously a senior executive at billion-dollar nonprofit organizations, she is a sought-after coach, consultant, and keynote speaker. She is also the author of One Bold Move a Day, Meaningful Actions to Help Women Fulfill Their Leadership and Career Potential, which was selected by the Next Big Idea Club as one of the 10 inspiring books to help you take on the world. I can vouch for that. I loved One Bold Move a Day. I read it when it came out last year. Um, so definitely recommend putting that on your bookshelf. We talk a little bit more about what's in the book and the genesis behind it. So be sure to to tune into the conversation to learn more about that. But I am so excited to dig into this conversation with Shauna and to continue to bring these great conversations with guests to the First 10 Years podcast. This has truly been a joy and I hope you're enjoying the journey as much as I am. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Shauna. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Shauna. I'm so excited for our conversation. Danielle, I'm really glad to be here with you. Yeah, this has been, we've been internet friends, I guess is the best way to put it for a while now. So it's fun to connect in this new way. But I like to start off each of my conversations learning more about my guests in their early career. So um, can you walk me through what your first 10 years of your career looked like, starting with what you wanted to be when you grew up? So I wanted to be a lot of things when I grew up. Like I think like most people, there was the time I wanted to be a social worker and a fashion designer and a rabbi and a writer. And I was very fortunate that my first semester of college, I found what eventually became my dream career and my calling, which was university fundraising. 
and I worked my way through uh, throughout college in the university development office at my alma mater and cold called my way into an internship in the summer at a very reputable institution where I could learn even more about fundraising. And that set me on the path for the first 10 years and then beyond of my career. Oh, that's awesome. I, I think that's so fascinating because I've, I've heard you on your podcast and your writing that you've been so confident in your career choice from college. So tell me what that's like to, to know with such certainty at such a young age what you wanted to do. Because I cannot relate. (laughs) Well, I don't think it's very common. And also, it's one of those things where I didn't realize that it was uncommon at first. I just kind of, you know, everyone just does what they think is the right thing for them. And therefore, a lot of other people are doing that. Um, And so I don't think that it's the requirement by any, you know, means for someone to have a career or a calling that they find so early on. Um, I think for me, it just gave me a sense of purpose through everything that I wanted to learn and everything that I wanted to accomplish. It also really helped me in the very darkest moments of my early career, because when I graduated from college with this four years of experience and two summers of internship and um, and a very committed focus on my goals, um, I was unemployed. I couldn't get a job. I had 100 job rejections, job interviews and rejections my senior year of college um, in my dream career. And so I had to figure out what to do in order to keep working toward that big goal. And I ended up taking what I call a for right now job. And uh, it was in retail and it was a fantastic learning experience for me. I treated the job just like I would any fundraising job. I was learning about everybody's interests and careers and backgrounds, sending them personal thank you notes, and um, really helping them feel their most confident and their best selves. And when I was able to get my first job, it was about seven or eight months after um, I had graduated in university fundraising, I I knew that I would take those lessons that I had learned um, throughout the rest of my career, and I did. And a lot of people told me I needed to change what my dream was, and uh, I kept going anyway. And I think that sense of purpose, whether you're clear on what it is you want to do, that your sense of purpose of what's important to you can be the foundation by which you make every career decision. Absolutely. I love the concept of for right now job. I've had so many of those that I don't know what the next five years is going to look like, but I know for right now, this is what's going to make sense. And to your point, you can take so much away from all of those experiences. It may not be exactly what you you think you wanted or you thought you wanted to do or what you plan to do, but there's something that you can learn from every scenario. Everyone. And then when I think about this now, you know, posing the question of those first 10 years, Um, So, you know, we talked about what that first year was like, and then I got that job as director of development, and uh, we were living in North Carolina at the time. And then my husband, because if you're part of a dual career couple, your first 10 years are, you know, might be based on how you're making joint decisions about what you're going to do. It's never just your decision in that capacity. And so my husband decided he was going to get his doctorate in Alabama. And that was never on my bingo card of places I was going to live or move. We didn't know anyone there. Um, And so we moved um, out of state and I had to go find a new job. And um, it was hard. Again, there was a hiring freeze at the universities and in the state level when I got there. So I took another um, for right now job in order to keep focused on what I wanted to do. 
um, I just kept networking within that, you know, dream area of university fundraising and eventually got that job um, again and um, was really fortunate to work there for five years and have two different jobs. And um, it was the, I would say the start of my really professional career um, at that point. And then uh, my husband said, we're, we're going to move again for um, for residency, which was required for that doctorate. And so we moved to Ohio. And um, this is where I made the bold move to ask for a remote job well before anyone knew what remote jobs really were. And I worked remotely for the University of Alabama um, for one of those years. It's where my son was born. And then we ended up moving again, um, for my husband's career, um, you know, to Philadelphia where we've now been for the last, uh, 14 years. Um, and then when I got the job again in university fundraising, I was fortunate to have many different choices of where I wanted to work. Um, I worked at the number one business school in the world at the Wharton school, um, first as a um, senior major gift officer, and then I was promoted to director of major gifts. And that was like this really important pivot for me to go from being an individual contributor to being a people leader. I went from being a peer to a supervisor from zero to 10 direct reports. And when I think about all that happened in those first 10 years of my career and how much I learned over that time, um, I'm so glad for the chance to reflect on this together with you because it really did set me on the path and uh, taught me some things the hard way, but a lot of things that were important to the foundation of the rest of my career. That's truly amazing that you were able to build such a robust career through all of those moves that you could carry that through life from state <laughs> to state. That's not, that's hard. That's really difficult to do. And um, to maintain that sense of purpose and drive to continue in that field and to have such a great career to show for it, I think that just is a testament to you. And and your hard work. Um, let's dive into that that first time becoming a manager, because I think that's super interesting and something that often happens in those first 10 years. So that's a really big change going from individual contributor to having 10 direct reports. That's oh, Tell yeah. me about that. So, I mean, I had been a manager briefly earlier in my career, but not at the level that I was stepping into in this um, director role. And um, Danielle, I made literally every mistake that you can think of in the book, so much so that I wrote a book about it <laughs> because there, there's not a roadmap for how to do this. And, you know, I read every article, I went to every conference presentation and, um, and I felt like I was just making mistakes all the time. And I think a lot of those mistakes had to do with this idea of what I thought I was supposed to be as a leader. I was supposed to have all the answers. I was supposed to know how to do everything. Um, I was supposed to protect my team at all costs. And some of that just contributed to me losing sight of who I really was, the very thing that made me uh, eventually a great leader. And um, and I, I just wish that there had been more people openly speaking about how to make those choices and how to understand them. And I think they are starting to do that now, but there, there really wasn't that sense back then. Yeah. It's one of those things, I'm sure with most things in life, that you can read all of the books. You can ask for all of the advice, but the best way to learn is by doing. And I think keeping that open mind that you're going to be new at it. You're probably going to fail at some things and not do things the right way. But that's why I felt about becoming a parent. I was like, I can read all of the books and I ask all the questions, but like, you don't know what you're doing until you start doing it. And you have to kind of figure out for yourself and what works. 
Um, so how did you yes. define success when you started your career, obviously with such a, a set trajectory of where you wanted to go? And then how do you define that today? Ooh, well, you know, I knew at 18, I wanted to be a major gifts officer. And at 19, I knew I wanted to be director of major gifts. So when I got to this point, you know, less than 10 years after I started my career, um, it was a really like reckoning moment. Like, oh my gosh, I reached the thing I thought I wanted to be when I grew up. And I, and that really required me to redefine what success looked like. And, uh, and, and I think that that has been a journey that I've been on for the last 10 years since. I kept thinking that when you got to that magical mark in your career, the director role, the manager role, the VP, whatever it was, that therefore you would all of a sudden find your true happiness. And even with the sense of purpose that I had, um, then it was like, well, now what am I supposed to do? right? Like now what am I supposed to learn? And it was unmooring, right? Like it was, it kind of felt like, oh, I have to start all over again instead of realizing how much I'd already brought to, to learning. And so I spent the last, you know, the second 10 years of my career um, really redefining what it meant to be successful. And that when you find happiness in your daily life and your daily career, that is what success looks like. And now at this point, I am trying to teach that to others, um, whether through my clients or people who uh, I, you know, read my book or people that I talk to over coffee, that this sense of success is so much more than about your job. It's so much more than your title. And it comes from the inner work of validating yourself and recognizing your own contributions and continuing to learn. I think that's so interesting. It's something I've been thinking a lot about myself because I went through a career change. So I always had that next step of, okay, well, I'm trying to get a little bit closer to what I want to do. And now that I'm in a role that I'm, I love and I'm really happy with, it's like, okay, well, now what? Now what next? And to your point, you kind of get there and get where you you envision going. And then you have to reevaluate what that means because maybe there isn't that one clear next step. So it's like, how do you find that contentment and that satisfaction in what you're currently doing? And that looks a lot different 10 years into your career than it does when you graduate from college. Absolutely. We just keep climbing and running and going as fast as we can to these milestones and um, that's something else we can't really teach people. We have to help them see that on their own. What we can do is offer uh, water stations on that journey to be like, listen, let's replenish. Um, you're not doing this alone. And um, whatever journey you're on, I'm cheering you on. And here's some things that I've learned that I hope will provide you with the uh, energy that you need to keep going. I love that analogy. As a runner, that like hits home for me. I'm like, oh, that's like when you're running a marathon, you have to stop and replenish and refuel. So that's such a wonderful analogy and way to think about it. So help me connect those dots from where you were when you were um, working in major gifts and fundraising to where you are today. You've talked about your book. So help me understand kind of what those last few years have looked like. Yeah, so I am now a leadership consultant and coach and author and speaker, uh, helping to develop leaders, strengthen workplace culture, and advance fundraising. And if you had asked me this five years ago, 10 years ago, definitely 20 years ago, I could not have envisioned running my own business um, and even writing a book, though that was a dream of mine much earlier on in my life. And uh, I think what happened during the pandemic for so many of us was it was this realization that life is so much shorter than we really understood. And are we doing what our greatest calling is? 
And though I loved fundraising and I loved leading a team, I chose to leave a career that I loved in order to get closer to who I was meant to become. And that was a very scary thing. And so what I would say is that, you know, I didn't stop doing all the things that were important to me. They just started showing up differently in my day-to-day life. And I wish I could have understood this earlier on, that this is still pursuing my career and my calling. It's just looking a little bit different. And am I open to the idea that it might look a little bit different over time? Because we've got a long way to go in this career, and you can't really understand that either until you're probably midway through it, that um, you don't have to keep doing it the exact same way throughout your career in order to pursue your purpose. I bet that was so exhilarating and terrifying to kind of step off of that path. Totally, totally. And so much so that some people were like, but you're so good at this. Why would you do this? And and um, I saw this um, thing on Instagram, like right around the time that I was getting ready to make this choice. And it said that your calling is not a conference call. And that really resonated for me because I spent a lot of my early career, those first 10 years, proving myself to everybody else that I could do the things that they told me that I couldn't do instead of really believing in my ability to do those things. And that shift freed me from having to do what I was, quote, supposed to do with my career. And the other thing is, Danielle, like, so so what if people decide to run a business and then go back to um, working for someone else or they, they you know, shift over time? I, I think that careers are so much more fluid than we give them credit for. And it doesn't have to be a step-by-step journey that we envision when we graduate from college. I completely agree. There's no such thing as a set career path. Like there's not a linear career path. It's not even like zigzagging. Like it's all over the place. And I wish I knew that when I graduated because I had that vision of, oh, you do this and then you get promoted and you do this and you get promoted and you just keep moving up, up, up. And like lateral moves never crossed my mind. Like any, like moving backwards, like, and I, you've been all over the place and um, I've been all over the place. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's just, like you said, it's fluid. And that's so important to remember. Like you said, there's such longevity in our careers. Most of us have to work because we need money. So like realistically, we might as well find something that we enjoy. And sometimes that looks different in one decade of our career than it does another. Um, well, you talked about your book. So I want to dive into your book that you wrote, um, One Bold Move a Day and Meaningful Actions Women Can Take to Fulfill Their Leadership and Career Potential. Um, so tell me about the inspiration behind that book, because you mentioned that there was some some desire to write that book and you're moving closer to your calling. So talk to me about that inspiration to to be the author of this specific book. Uh, One Bold Move a Day is the book that I wish that I had had on my own bookshelf. And it came from so many conversations, just like this one, where people were saying, why is this so much harder than it needs to be? How can we talk more openly about what it means to be a leader and growing your career and being a good person and being a caregiver and that we can just talk about this in a way that we can open a dialogue instead of trying to figure it out all on our own. And so um, the, the idea of making bold moves is certainly contributed to my success in my career and in my personal growth. Um, but the idea of a bold move, as I define it, is it's a meaningful action that challenges you to grow. 
And so that's not something that looks the same every day. And it's not necessarily like the bold move people think about when they hear those words. Um, It's nurturing your relationship with a mentor. It's having coffee with someone and talking about your big dreams. Yes, it's asking for a promotion or a raise or becoming a manager for the first time, but it evolves over time the same way that you do. And uh, so One Bold Move a Day came out in November of 2022, and it was a culmination of me really wanting to support women in particular, recognizing the different barriers we have in our careers. Um, And it became even more important during the pandemic to get this book out to the world uh, because we were seeing so many women affected in uh, in that time. And uh, it's really a true joy and honor to see it continue to flourish in the post-pandemic world and to support women and men. I hear this all the time. And and that that's really important to me too. Yes. It's such a good read. Ever, I'll make sure to link it in the show notes so everyone can go learn more about it and purchase it. I know I loved it. And it's the, the concept, even like the phrase, one bold move a day. Yeah, I think about it all the time. I mean, if I had make a bold move in my career, when I wanted to start this podcast, I reached out to you and I was like, bold move alert. Like, it's just, it's exciting. <laughs> I love that. I think of you every time I make something, a big change like that. And, but like you said, it could be something big, like starting a podcast or a new job or negotiating a raise, but it could also be those little things like sending that email to somebody or that connection request. It's, it's just such a great concept and such a good through line to keep in mind throughout our careers because- we all need to be challenging ourselves in those ways and also supporting each other. Um, You kick off the book by talking about mindsets, which I think is so crucial, not only for your early career, but throughout your career. And I think to have the success, you need to have that growth mindset, which we've kind of talked about and alluded to. So can you walk me through those four different mindset shifts that you, you recommend? Yes. The bold move mindset is the foundation by which you can make your bold moves. And the bold move mindset is mindset is made up of those four distinct but complementary mindsets. So the first is the happiness mindset, uh, the progress mindset, the and mindset, and the gratitude mindset. And um, these all work together to give you the courage and the support and encouragement in order to make these bold moves every day. Um, the gratitude mindset is, for, for me, was like the biggest shift of really focusing on um, what is present in our day and what, what can we acknowledge um, and be grateful for, even when things do not go as hoped or planned, because that, that doesn't always go as hoped or planned. And then recognizing that, um, that happiness comes from seeing those things that you're grateful for and celebrating them. And um, and that's where the progress mindset comes in. It's really about celebrating how far you've come, not just all you have to do. And in a career, that's particularly important to look back and see how far you've come. And the and mindset for me developed during the pandemic. And it was this um, recognizing the tension that we felt that you could uh, have challenge and still experience joy that you can be grateful for all that you have and still be ambitious in your career. And, and these shifts um, enabled me to be able to fulfill my own potential. And I've seen it work with many other people. And, and it's, it's really gratifying to see that in action. I love the and mindset. I think that's something I've been working on personally, because I'm sure when you were making the, the leap to um, start your own business, that like I said, it was probably exciting and terrifying. Like both can exist at the same time. And it's not always black and white and acknowledging that we can have many different emotions towards 
our career and towards our progress um, is really empowering to acknowledge that I can, like you said, I can be ambitious, but I can also be content in what I'm currently Mm -hmm. doing. So I think that's so impactful. And the concept of progress in that mindset, um, I'm a big advocate too for progress over perfection. Um, When I was making my career change, I didn't know where I was wanted to go, but it started as what's one thing I can do today, whether that is apply to a job, make one connection, like making one small actionable step each day. And to your point, you're going to look back in a year and realize how far you've come. So it's not about doing it perfectly. It's about doing it and whatever that looks like for you and um, having that action, create that motivation and that, that progress that we're looking for. Um, you also share some really actionable tips and writing prompts in the book to help someone clarify their purpose. And I think this is interesting because you had a very clear purpose from a young age. And I think as I'm developing my career, I'm starting to understand more clearly what my purpose is, but where should someone start if they're still trying to figure out where they should focus their energy and their career goals? Well, I I think that defining a purpose is a very personal reflection. And the reason I put the writing prompts in there is that um, it feels overwhelming to think, well, what if I don't have a purpose? How am I ever going to advance my career? And it doesn't have to be, you know, the super most clear thing, but there are things that you can do to reveal to yourself what's important to you. And I think this comes from looking at what your strengths or your superpowers are. And um, these are the compliments that you get all the time that you kind of just take for granted and push them to the side or you, you know, say, oh, that's not such a big deal. But the things that people recognize in you, the things your colleagues come to you for at work, what are those superpowers and are you fully leveraging them? in your job or in your career. Um, Thinking about what brings you the most energy. I mean, there's certain projects that no one likes doing in their jobs, but then there's others where you think, I live for those moments, or I would love to try that. So what are those things so that you can more clearly articulate them to your manager when you're having performance growth conversations? Thinking about, you know, your very first question, like, what did you want to be when you were growing up? What are the things that you loved and how are those present in your day-to-day life? And no, I'm definitely not a rabbi, um, but I've really enjoyed um, thinking about um, the advising and coaching aspect of the work that I do, whether with, you know, team members or clients. Um, there is something very thoughtful about that connection. And so how do those things that you wanted to do before play out in your day-to-day life? And then what are you doing outside of your career that also adds value to you as a person and to your career? Because your purpose may or may not be fulfilled in your job, and that's okay. It's just where else can you be applying those strengths and superpowers and getting the most energy from so you can show up to work feeling good about what you are and what you do? I love the concept of superpowers and it's a lot of reflection. I think to your point of you have to rest and replenish and and have those water stations throughout your career. You need to take that time to reflect because we're constantly go, go, go all of the time. And if you don't pause every once in a while to, to have those self-reflection moments or have those conversations with colleagues or your team members or peers, um, it can be very easy to lose sight of that. I, I brought actually this conversation up where I was at a conference with my team earlier this year. And I was like, what's your superpower? Like, what is that one thing? Like, there's a lot of things I think we all do that, to your point, they come so easy that you think everyone can do it until you like have those conversations and realize like, oh, this doesn't come natural to you. Like, this isn't the way that your brain thinks. Like, it's so interesting. So we, we went around and it was like, what do you think your superpower is? And it was a really 
um, empowering conversation to talk about that. And I was like, yeah, I see that. Like, I think that is what you're great at. And um, this is like, do you think that I'm good at what I think I'm good at? Because it's just, it's interesting, but we all do have these superpowers and there's just these natural tendencies and skills that we have. And, but we have to take that time to, to stop and reflect. And like you said, writing prompts are, are a great way to do that, to, to journal about it, or even just bring them to the conversation, like at the dinner table with your, your partner or a friend or someone and talk about them because it's, it's so powerful to pause and reflect. I'm also a big believer that you can be a leader regardless of where you are in your career. Um, you don't always need to have the title of a manager or director to lead others. And you have some great advice in your book talking about leading where you are. So what advice would you give to someone who's in an individual contributor role or earlier in their career that wants to elevate what they do and be seen as a leader at their company? Well, I think you said it so well. Leadership is not about our title or our authority. It is the energy by which we serve others and lead ourselves. And this concept of leading from where you are is really important to me because we often just give up and think that, well, I'm not the manager of this team. I'm not the leader of this team, so I can't make change. And I think about the example that you just shared, Danielle, of you know leading and facilitating this conversation with the team at the conference about superpowers and how really incredibly powerful it is to be able to facilitate a conversation, even with people that you know don't report directly to you, to say, well, what what is something that you're good at, and how can we leverage that even more in the workplace? And um, and I think supporting your peers is one of the best ways that you can you know both care about their colleagues that you work with, and also start to learn about what it's like to be leading people at some point. And so when your colleagues need help, when they need help connecting the dots, when you find a resource that other people on your team might benefit from, send it out to them, share it with them on the Slack channel or send an email and say, hey, I read this and I thought of you. Um, When you're having conversations with your manager about all the things that they're working on, saying things like, well, you know, I think this relates to my strengths and I'd love to take this off your plate. Can I take a stab at doing this part of the project? And um, you don't have to be in control of the whole thing or officially on the, the books to do the whole thing in order to be able to take on that kind of learning and show up as the leader that you see yourself as. And I think these come from daily choices um, and, and it really focusing on the learning behind it. And then being ready to talk about what those accomplishments are when those leadership opportunities come along or when you're ready to ask for them. So you can say, here's all the ways I've already been leading across our organization and I didn't need the title in order to do that. Absolutely. And I think there's a level of authenticity there. I don't, I think sometimes we overcomplicate it and we think it has to be these like big monumental things that you're doing. But to your point, it could be sending an article to somebody or, or having a conversation in just ways that you authentically would show up at work. I don't think we always need to have these like big, like swooping actions that are going to um, make these big changes. But like, what what is your, if you understand what your superpower is, you can bring that to the table and, and do that in an authentic way for you. Um, something I want to talk about because I think it's really relevant to us is networking. And that's shifted a lot since obviously the pandemic and people connecting virtually and remotely, but in the, the vein of authenticity, 
I was trying to remember the other day how we first connected. And I know that we wrote together for Career Contessa, but it's been years now. We've been kind of a part of this virtual network. We've never met in person, but we've always remained in touch. But it's felt so authentic to me that, and I don't know if it was an email or an Instagram follow or what it was, but we're here cheering each other on, on our different corners of the world and what we're doing. And I think that to me is what networking should be. It shouldn't be complicated. It should be authentic and you should enjoy having those conversations and supporting people. So what tips would you give for building those relationships, um, especially in a remote world? Well, first I want to say that I love our friendship and relationship too. And I think that um, we've taken real efforts to nurture that relationship over time, even though it might've started from one distinct point of contact. And I think that's so important, you know, as you're thinking about this, it's not just what can I get from someone. It's what can I give to someone? How can I support someone else in achieving their goals? What can I learn from this person? And um, it really does often start with making that first bold move to reach out to someone or at the cocktail hour at the conference, walk over and say, hi, I'm Shauna. Um, what has been the thing that you've enjoyed the most about the conference so far? Or I read that article that you wrote and I really enjoyed that. And what prompted you to start writing? And it's more than just like, did you look at the canapes and how's the weather, right? Because that's where the authenticity that you're talking about comes from. So I think that this happens, um, you know, more so when we're in an in-person office environment, it feels like much easier to just ask someone to go to coffee or have a chat. But um, it's still on us in the distributed work environment to do that reach out and say, hey, can I get 15 minutes? I'd love to learn more about your career path. Um, I really admire what you have done. Or to appear, you know, I, uh, I think that there's some things that I could really learn from another peer in this organization about how you navigate some of the challenges that we're having. Would you be open to getting lunch together and just talking through what you're working on? Um, and then for people that you admire or aspire to have relationships with, um, whether it's walking up to them if you see them or sending them an email outreach, be really clear on what it is that you want to accomplish together and how you intend to support them and ask for a short amount of time because uh, time is everyone's most precious resource. But people want to be helpful if you show your authentic self and how you think you can relate to them and learn from them. And um, you're not going to get all the yeses, but that's okay. You just keep putting yourself out there anyway and following through. And I think it doesn't always have to lead with an ask of time. I think that's a great way to, to learn more and make those those um, long-lasting connections. But it could be as simple as, as sending, like you said, an email or a message on social media saying, hey, I really enjoyed this article, or I really love what you're doing here. And just kind of opening those lines of communication. I don't I don't think I've ever met someone who's going to be mad that you're complimenting the work that they're doing. <laughs> I think everyone's <laughs> going to appreciate that. And then if you can do it once and then maybe you follow each other or you th you ask for that um, time down the road or something when it, it feels more appropriate or maybe you, you have a little bit more of a warm connection, but it can be as simple as like leaving those little nuggets throughout your career. Like if you read an article, like any writer is going to appreciate a note that you're like, hey, I really enjoyed this or X, Y, Z, or I love this design that you created on Instagram for this. Like it's it can be really um, authentic and simple. It doesn't have to be as complicated as I think. I have to go to this conference and travel and and make these all these cold connections, and which feels really scary and overwhelming. I think you can make networking work for you and whatever that looks like. 
I love those suggestions. Thanks, Danielle. <laughs> so what's something you know now that you're, I'd probably say your mid-career, would, would you, that be a fair assessment? Oh, gosh, I feel <laughs> flattering. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so what's something that you know now that you wish you knew when you started? I know the book is a big part of it and that's a big takeaway, but if you had to kind of sum that up. Uh, I, I think go back to what we talked about before about this shift from proving yourself to believing in yourself. Those first 10 years that you are in your career are not just for everybody else's, uh, you know, admiration or decision-making about who you are and what's important to you. Are you pursuing things that give you energy? Are you pursuing things that are bringing you joy? Are you doing them because they're adding value to you and not just because what your parents or your family or, you know, your colleagues think about what you're supposed to do. And I, though I was fortunate to be pursuing that career that was important to me, I did often lose track of um, my own, my own, uh, my own validation of why I was doing those things. And I, I wish I would have made that shift earlier on because I think it helped me to lean into my authentic self um, as a leader and as a team member. I, uh, interesting question too. You, so your purpose, you said it, it shows up differently throughout your career that it, you, what, how you approach it and what you're doing for work may shift, but it's kind of been this common through line. Do you think that your purpose can change throughout your career? Sure. I mean, there's no way that you can know in your early 20s what life is going to be like for you in your 30s, 40s, 50s, or beyond. Um, I think what doesn't change is your why. It just might show up differently in your career. But the the foundational, like what is important to you is who you are. But allowing yourself the flexibility to have that evolve and what it looks like on your job title or your career is I think one of the greatest gifts to yourself to allow. Absolutely. That's why I love asking people what they want to be when they grow up. Cause I think there's so much truth there and it, there's been a common theme that what people wanted to be when they grew up eventually kind of ties into what they're doing, but it gets lost along the way. Like our logical brain takes over and we're like, <laughs> we need a job. We need to make money. I can't do all of these big ambitious things that I wanted to do when I was younger, but if we kind of listen to that that inner child in ourselves and kind of follow that desire and that why, um, I think we can have really successful and fulfilling careers. Um, so what are you excited about right now as it relates to your career, your book? It's been almost a year that it's been out in the universe, but what are you looking forward to? Well, I have been in business almost two years full-time for myself, and I am really enjoying working with different kinds of organizations and different kinds of leaders. And what I'm most interested in hearing from them is about this evolution about how we invest in people at work. I think we took a lot of things for granted pre-pandemic. Well, people are lucky to have a job. And so we just treated them as such. And there were some shining moments in organizations of really caring about people as people. But I think that the workplace is requiring us to redefine what that looks like and how we lead. And I am here for this because being able to be um, whatever version of our whole selves um, that we want to be in the workplace is um, so important to how our workplaces are able to thrive, how we're able to thrive in them. 
I spent a long time um, being just what I thought the workplace wanted to be me to be, particularly in those first 10 years of my career. And so um, I'm excited that more people are starting to have this conversation and realize that what worked for us before is not going to work for us in the future. What do you think that shift is going to look like in what those next five, 10 years, like what, what do you think it will look like or what do you hope it looks like? Uh, well, I see a lot more of my peers starting to lead uh, organizations, and um, what I what I hear them saying is uh, the pandemic changed us, and we um, were throwing out the rule books from before, and uh, it means we don't know all the answers, and we're going to. Um, I think that the the ones who really get it are saying we're going to experiment with this. We're going to look at it. We're going to try it. We've got data to back up some of the things, but we know we don't have all the data in the world. And we're going to see how this goes. And then we're going to learn from it again. And it might evolve again. And um, I think that's really powerful, right? Like this is, uh, we are redefining work right now. And um, I would love to see uh, more leaders who are willing to take a chance on people's potential, um, not just what they've already done to date. Um, I would love to see more open dialogue about how to thrive in the workplace by creating career um, ladders or roadmaps or pathways for people, um, for giving the right kind of feedback about how people can grow and not just have to guess. Um, those are the organizations that are going to be um, around for the for the long time to come, the ones that are willing to make those brave and bold choices to lead differently. I agree. I think there's a lot that we can learn from the pandemic and I found it a bit frustrating recently. I think a lot of companies, when they're requiring their people to come back to work and mandating certain in-office hours and things like that, I'm like, but it was working so well. Like, I think a lot of it feels really arbitrary. I'm sure there's some justifications based on what your company is and what your services are. But some of it to me, I'm like, why? Like, why are you making your people come back in the office if they're telling you they don't want to or they're their well-being is better when it's not. So being able to, like I said, make those brave and bold choices to do things differently and reimagine what work could look like, is just going to be impactful. And I think that's something that the younger generation, from my understanding and what I've learned about Gen Z and what Gen Alpha, when they get into the workplace, um, they're going to want. And I, we can't always do things the way that we've done them because it's it's not going to work for the future of our, our workforce. Here for that, in it together. <laughs> awesome. Well, where can people find you and learn more about you and your work and and support you? Well, I'd love to continue the conversation. Uh, you can find me on my website, which is shaunaahawking.com. And I'm active on LinkedIn and Instagram. Also, Shauna A. Hawking. One Bold Move a Day is available. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, bookshop.org, anywhere you like to buy books. Awesome. I'll be sure to include all of those links in the show notes so people can, can reach out to you and connect. But thank you so much for this conversation. It was so fun having you on and being able to, to catch up and just share some of your expertise. So thank you so much. Thank you for creating this space. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Shauna. If you enjoyed our conversation, share it with a friend or a colleague or share it on social media and be sure to tag me at Danielle Doolin and the podcast at the first 10 years podcast. 
Wherever you're listening, please take a moment to leave a rating and review to help others find this content. It would do wonders to help amplify these conversations that I'm having with guests and to help others discover these great, actionable, and insightful tips. I'll be back next week with another great conversation, so stay tuned. I'll talk to you later. Bye.